You're on the bench with Bird and Pete, and this is our Friday Blitz. We're going to discuss different things that have been talked about over the past week and just give you our thoughts on those things. We're still going to give our um, fantasy starting systems and game picks, but we're going to add a little bit more to this particular Friday Blitz. So let's just get right into it. And the most, the biggest story today, uh, well, as of late over the past couple of days, is about Cam Newton's comments towards the beat writer who asked him the question pertaining to um, Funches and his route running physically of it all. Do you think it's sexist or is it being overblown? For me, I can answer this in a two-part way. Now, I like Cam. I root for Cam. I don't dislike him now because of what he said. But I do think that what he said and how he said it, it did come across as sexist. Does that mean that he's sexist? No. But that, that particular comment and the way that it was delivered came off as him being sexist. Um, it's nothing new to have women, you know, covering sports. So I'm not sure why that would even be funny. I mean, she asked a legit question. So he should have just gave an answer as if he would have given it to any other reporter who would have asked that, you know, that wasn't a woman um, well, a man. I mean, what else could you be? But he laughed and then made the reference of her being a female and referencing routes. And then he did answer the question. It would have been so much more simpler for him to just answer the question because we wouldn't even be discussing it right now. And then whether or not it's been overblown wouldn't be a conversation. Now, I can't say it's been overblown because I feel like people are saying it's been overblown because people are talking about it. No, we're talking about it because it just happened. So, of course, people are going to talk about it. It would be, to me, overblown it would be if you had people saying, I'm going to boycott the NFL now because of what Cam Newton said. Or you know, fire him or release him because of what he said. No, I think that what he said, he might not have meant it in any sort of ill will. I can't imagine that a man that has a daughter would try to be that dismissive of women. I, I just can't, even though he, you know, he's newly a father to a daughter. I still can't see him being dismissive of that. So I'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt. Again, I'm not saying that Cam is sexist, but what he said was. So it's not been overblown to have people talk about it. But if you had people saying things like Bencham or release him or suspend him or even saying fine him. I don't think he should be fine. I don't think he should be disciplined in any sort of way. I don't knock the NFL for, for, for the statement that they released in regards to just saying that that's not how they feel and those comments don't represent the NFL. I appreciate that. With the Panthers, I, I, I saw some things today um, that was said that they were kind of not defending Cam, but more upset that the beat writer said that she talked to Cam on the side and it, it wasn't any better. It was worse as if they want to like, they feel like she's a adding to the story, but that's her truth because at the end of the day, everybody's going to wonder, have you, did you speak to him? Did you, you know, what happened after that? So she just put it out there, but she could have easily herself, you know, said what he said to her, but she didn't. So in that sense, I think that it's okay that we're talking about it because everybody has a different opinion about it. I don't think that Cam is sexist or you know, he's, you know, a, a bad person. I just think that what he said was sexist because her sex and that situation didn't matter. And for everybody that keeps saying that it wasn't sexist, well, then you need to look up the definition of what sexist means because he basically he did. He stereotyped her because she's a woman. So that's what sexist is. Now, again, I'm not saying that Cam is. I just think that those particular comments were and he could have easily come out or came out and said, that wasn't my intent. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. I really, you know, if if he even said it's amazing to me, you know, that you that you know sports or that you ask that question, 
and left it like that and then answered it, then everything would have been left to the imagination of what he may have been trying to imply. But but my point is that didn't even need to be said. Like her sex doesn't matter at that moment. Her asking you a question, that's your job. That's her job. Just be professional and answer the question. So that's how I feel about it. The comment itself was sexist. I don't necessarily think it's being overblown. People are just talking about it. But Pete, what do you think? Okay, now, the big thing we everybody's been talking about is the whole Cam Newton calling the reporter female and finding it funny that she was asking about routes with everything. And with this thing, I'm going to kind of keep it short, sweet, and simple. To me, it was sexist. It was offensive. And, you know, that behavior shouldn't be tolerated or allowed at all. And that's what I'm going to say about that like he should have known better he shouldn't said it and i don't honestly think that he feels that way like oh he's better than a woman it might have caught him off guard because he kind of had a laugh we're not condoning the behavior it's wrong and i don't want this to think this to become he's the poster boy for sex you know being a sexist or whatever because 45 you know what he said last year grab him by the kitty cat whatever you want to say keep it clean in case any kids pick up the show but you know he has to apologize i feel bad that he lost his sponsor because i believe that just was an overreaction because of social media instant oh no people are upset so let's do something to say we're doing something do something just to say you're doing something um, I think they should have waited at least 24 hours to see if he still feels that strong and see what develops from the situation. Because the one thing that I will say, it did put a light on it and brought it to everyone's attention that, you know, this is a problem that's still going on in America and it hasn't changed. You know, women have gotten rights to vote and everything else, and they're still dealing with issues similar to blacks and gays. Like, everybody wants their equality, but, you know, this was a prime example of you know we still have a long way to go so in another development i don't know if you guys did see that you know the reporter has put some racist tweets out back in i think 2012 2013 and she apologized for those so we don't want to look overlook that to where you know she definitely was a victim in the situation but we don't want to give her a pass and let her escape free for her racist comments in the past so the same energy that they're putting out there for cam needs to be put out for her and both of them you know She's apologized. We're still waiting to see if Cam apologizes. But that's just how I feel about the whole situation. He was wrong. Hopefully, he doesn't do it again. I hope this brings the attention to other athletes and other professionals to not treat their peers or co-workers in a sense to where everybody's an equal playing field and just treat everybody with respect at the end of the day. Okay, our next topic, you know, we got to talk about the hometown NFL team right now because I'm not even calling them. You know, I'm not even calling them that team. It's just the Baltimore football team until they start to play better. But it's been terrible. The last two weeks, I think I've seen some of the worst football since Kyle Bowler was in the building. And that's saying a lot. It's just been terrible. It's been terrible all across the board. Special teams, offense, defense. Um, Don't matter where we start. I'm going to start with the offensive line. That, to me, I believe is our second biggest problem. I'm going to tell you the first in a moment. Um, Just losing four out of five starters and you having these backups and they're just not looking good. They can't consistently open holes or hold up for pass protection. It's just 
it's just pitiful. It's just you watching your quarterback getting hit. You watching on third and two, they have to pass the ball because they don't trust the run game. And then on third and two, when they do run it, you losing two or three yards in the backfield. I'm tired of seeing my running backs get contacted in the backfield. Like, that is pathetic and pitiful. The quarterback doesn't have time to get into his drops. You have a speedster like Perman and Wallace and Macklin, but you can't even get it down the field. You just can't. That's my biggest, one of my biggest beef. My second beef now, or which the number one reason why I think the team is struggling is Joe. I believe Joe lost confidence in himself or he doesn't trust his knee. It's one or the other. I'm just looking at him like, man, ever since he hurt his knee, he has not looked confident playing. Like, throwing pass, he just... He doesn't look comfortable dropping back. And I don't know if that's in the back of his head, but I think that's what it is. I know, you know, he didn't have the preseason, the practice, and the back injury. I think it's confidence in his leg and his offensive line. I don't think he trusts neither one. He may trust his leg more than his line, but he's seeing how his line gave up on him last year or the year before when he got hurt. So I'm starting to really think, like, this is a mental thing with him because he's He's rushing throws when there's no pressure, and when it is pressure, mechanics are off when he's not standing in the pocket. I mean, he's taking hits and getting up. You know, I respect him, but I just – it's something that it's, it's, he, he doesn't trust something. It's either the line or it's his knee. I don't – I'm not sure yet. We have to get to the bottom of that if you're a Ravens fan. Um, outside of that, the Titans are decent. I'm okay with Watson and Boyle, what they've been doing this year. Um, the receiving core, Perriman has been a disappointment to me. And I thought this was going to be his breakout year, his best year yet. Um, I've seen some plays and flashes last year, some crossing routes, some speed. He made some spectacular catches. But then sometimes he just drops the easiest pass, the third and seven, something short, simple, hit him in his hands. He's dropping those, but he'll try to he'll make the spectacular catches. I need consistency out there, guy. You are a first-round pick. I'm not labeling him a bus because he lost the whole year to injury. He lost partial last year to injury but no no you 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 got you know you gotta step up like you're you're number one pick we need you to be that playmaker that we need that number one i'm tired of getting other teams receivers after their prime or in the end of their prime i'm tired of that and the running back situation hasn't been hasn't been great either and i don't know if it's the offensive line is not good the running backs look meh you know, Collins looked good. He giving us a burst and a spark that we didn't have, but he has fumbleitis. Turns West is running decent, but they keep mixing and you got three backs, you keep switching from from Buck Allen's to Collins and West. Like we even need a workhorse or this whole three stable thing isn't gonna work when you have an offensive line that's not doing anything. Um, and people saying Mal no, Mal is not the answer. Now maybe if you would have bought Kaepernick in this summer when Joe was hurt and you kept him around and Joe was struggling, you could have somebody else to put in there. But putting Mal in there is gonna be people talking about they seen bad football now. You're gonna have bad football terrible football. Um, let's jump to the special teams. Tucker, he's been himself, he's missed like he had make what, a sixty yard of sixty yard kick, he missed it. I think that you shouldn't even went for it just I know you're trying to get points because your offense is struggling and your defense is struggling, but I just would have kind of punted down. I know you need the points, but just the way things are going for this team, I think the punt would have been better. 
And also, Sam Cooke has been okay with his punts. The coverage on the kickoff teams have been okay. Nothing to write home about. We haven't given up a special teams touchdown yet. So, knock on wood, that's a good thing there. Now, this vaunted defense that they were proclaiming one of the best defense the first two weeks has looked holy terrible looking like swiss cheese and i know brandon williams went down you know he's to me he's kind of that engine he's the piece that gets everything going because by him taking up two people and create havoc in the middle that lets the linebacker roam that lets the d the defensive ends get one-on-one to beat their guy to the quarterback that means pressure so the corners don't have to cover as long as the safeties can kind of cheat in coverage and make plays but Williams went down. This team just looked terrible. That Jacksonville game was pathetic. Then Le'Veon Bell just ran the ball down their throats. Like, this is one thing that, you know, Ravens always pride themselves just, you know, being an aggressive, physical, run-stopping team. And they got embarrassed. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think. I don't know. There's linebackers like Mosley, but I don't know what, you know, what Peanut, uh, he's decent. Correa, he's not really giving us much. And, you know, Brent Urban went down. Um, It's just been like, I don't even, like, I'm very disappointed at the brand of football they're playing. Like, I, I'm just in disbelief. Like, this is not my Baltimore Ravens. Like, we've had bad years and we had bad teams. But this is a team we actually have talent on. I know we lost a lot of players to IR, but we have talent. Definitely on the defensive side, the offensive side, that line is going to hold us back to where the coaches now have to make adjustments to say, okay, the schemes and things we're running aren't working, and teams are going to keep doing what Jacksonville and Pitt did until you make changes or adjustments because this is a copycat league. Until you fix the problem, everybody's going to come with the same game plan. So hopefully, you know, they get things right over at the castle because this is, this is getting ugly. This is some ugly football to watch because you go down 10 points, game over. Because you're looking at this offense, they can't score 10 points. They can't come back. They get a lead and get up on people. Yeah, that's a different story. That defense is going to show, but... Nah, not the way this offense is playing. But, Bird, what do you think about the Ravens right now and their struggles? I don't even know where to begin with what's wrong with the Ravens. But right now, my my biggest frustration is with the front office and people who's who are making football decisions. I really do believe, first of all, ever since the whole Ray Rice situation, they're picking guys that just don't fit the mold. Like, guys that are on other teams who may have had quote-unquote character issues, who are playmakers, like, we could have used those guys offensively. Like, I don't understand, like, like a lot of things that they've decided not to do. You know, like, you can't hold yourself. You can't, you can't. When you start letting, like, like that type of stuff affect football decisions, then it's time for you to go. And I don't care who it is. If it's the owner, then I couldn't be a GM to work for him or a coach that would want to work for him because you're not allowing us to make the, to put this team in the best possible situation to win. So I don't know whose fault it is. I don't know if it's the owner. I don't know if it's Dick Cass. I don't know. But right now, you look at Ozzie Newsom because you know we know that he's a general manager. We know that he's making the football decisions. But we don't know what his bosses are saying to him. So I want to know why the Ravens have decided to neglect getting offensive playmakers. Like, I'm not mad at the moves they've made on defense at all. I'm not mad at any of them. A lot of them have been good picks, and I I, I feel good about a lot of the free agents that they did pick up. 
But I have a problem with the fact that they've neglected the offense. The way that they feel like you can, you know, the way that they feel, the way they feel they need to fix this offense or to make it work is to continue to bring in free agents from other teams who more times than not, they already passed their prime or we might get a, a good gear or two or one out of them. And then that's it. The whole time that Joe Flacco has been here, he's really had nobody that he could grow with. Now, Dennis Pettit could have been that, but he had the hip injuries. It's nothing you it, it, it That's just how things went. Torrey Smith could have been that, but Torrey Smith didn't like the contract that was offered. He decided to leave and go to, to the 49ers. That's just what it was. Then the Ray Rice situation happened. I just feel like the front office, whoever that involves, have not done enough to make this offense be help make this offense be productive. I feel like we've always had the same conversation about offensive coordinators, the scheme that we run. The whole like it, you can blame it on Joe Flacco. People say the common the common denominator in in every situation is Joe Flacco, but I tell you to look at 2014 because you you can't tell me that when he had a a very good offensive coordinator. Why was that his best year? So they haven't put him in the best situations to succeed. Kubiak probably would have stayed, but it, he couldn't turn down the Denver job. I can't even blame him for that situation. I'm mad as a Ravens fan because I feel like that put us behind the eight ball, and then everybody who they bought in after that, they not, they're not that good. Nobody's coming up with anything that's slick. Nobody's doing anything that's new. You know, then you have an offensive line. The offensive line was the issue in the offseason. Everybody who I've talked to about the Ravens, I've said the same thing. I don't care who's at quarterback, who you got at running back, who you got at tight end, or who you got at wide receiver. If that offensive line is not right, it doesn't matter who's who's around because nothing's going to happen. If the quarterback can't pass the ball, they're not going to have any catches. If they can't block and open up holes, the running back, at, we're not going to move the ball. Like, our, our offense is horrible right now, and to me, it's all because of the offense, the offensive line. And then you can look at Joe Flacco. Everybody seems to, you know, want to blame Joe Flacco. And I'm not trying to take any blame off of him. I just don't think that it's all on him. To the point where it's all to me, he just looks nervous and scared. Like, he looks like he's not that confident in what he has around him, period. And he's not confident because of the line. Like, look at who's on the line. When I had questions about the line, when it was, when Yonder, before Yonder got hurt, before Yonder got hurt, before um, Alex Lewis had went out, I was questioning the line. Then both of them go out. So then I'm really questioning the line. So if, if I'm questioning the line, and then we're saying all the hits, and and not only hits, sacks, and hurries that Joe Flacco was getting, he's now, like when he does have a clean pocket, it's like he, he doesn't trust it because of things that have already happened. I call that, he's punch drunk. And so... I can't, me, I can't solely blame Joe Flacco when I'm looking at everything else that's, that's messed up around him. Like, think about the game last week. If Mike Wallace would have caught that one ball in stride, could have been a totally different game, you know. But Joe Flacco did, he 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 missed Perman on that catch. Like, he, he that was a bad, that wasn't a great throw. It wasn't horrible, but it, well, he could have done better on that because that could have been a touchdown, you know. Um, then you have Collins. Like, our run game is not as consistent as it need to be. And sometimes we didn't even have um, running backs in the backfield. Like, 
if you know you have a, a sorry offensive line, why not have more people in to block? Then that could open up the passing game and things like that. If you can get an extra blocker in there, I don't know. It's just to me, because that offensive line is so bad, it's hindering us to be able to do anything offensively because it's messing with Joe's FICO confidence, which is going to trickle down to everybody else on the offense. And then you look at the defense without Brandon Williams. It's like the whole. It's it's just like how we how we would look at the secondary as soon as Jimmy Smith went out. Like, it's crazy to me that they've allowed over three hundred yards, and I think I think it was what two or three touchdowns in the past two games since he's been out. It's like, oh, was he out against? Yeah, well, I think yeah he played against the Browns and the and the Bengals, I believe. But since he's been out, that's about how much they've allowed. So, offenses now are running the ball, and by doing that, they're opening up situations for their passing game and everything else because we can't really stop the run how we could before, which, because we can't, we don't have that big run stopper there, you know, then it, it affects the pass rushes. Then let's not, we didn't even, meant, well, I haven't mentioned the fact that Brent Urban now went out, and he was he was being effective. He was he was being, you know, coming up big in the, in the games that he played in. So, it's like, Everywhere you look, we're we're losing players, major players. You're depleting units because of so many injuries. It's so much wrong with the Ravens. Like I, it, I like you. It's so much. It, I can't just pinpoint one thing right now, and you know. And then I look like I didn't even mention John Harbaugh. You know, like everybody talks about Flacco looking like he's not interested. I get that vibe from John Harbaugh lately too. I like I really do. So I don't know if it's something deeper going on with an organization that we don't know about. Maybe Ozzy and John Harbaugh might feel certain types of ways that the owner won't allow them to make the necessary moves. So what can you do? You At the, at the end of the day, the owner should allow the football people to make the football decisions. But we also know that a lot of these owners step in and have an opinion and if they and if 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 we if we're gonna you know blackball this person, that's just what it's gonna be because that's just what it is. I don't want to get any more bad press, so we're not gonna get these type of guys. It doesn't matter. Like I just feel like right now, over the past couple of years, the Ravens as a whole haven't done enough to help this team improve and be productive over the years. You know, even with some of the draft picks that they've picked, you can't you can't really account for injuries, but. Some of them were still questionable. You're looking at it like, why'd you get them? And then you're looking at it now like it didn't even pan out to the point where we had to invest so much on the defensive side through free agency and, and things like that because a lot of the draft picks that you did pick, didn't it didn't pan out. You know, so it's so much wrong right now. And I can only hope that they can figure this out because I don't want to continue to see them, you know, just it. It's really hard to watch that that offense. Like it's hard to watch, and as bad as they are, they're not helping our defense because they're making our defense have to be on the field even longer, which exposes them more. So, it's so much wrong. I mean, I don't I don't know how many guys. I know some guys. I know the I know some of the guys who are out like yonder. I know he's gone for the season. I don't know how long it's going to take for some some other guys to come back. I don't I don't know if they said Brent Urban was done for the season or not. I don't know if he's coming back. Brandon Williams with the boot on him, you know. Um, we sh- Ben Watson has been big offensively, and he's been the one bright spot, and he he's dealing with a calf injury, so we don't know. You know, he might be the next tight end to go down. 
again, it's just so much wrong. I can only hope that they get it together. Okay, our next top is our top five teams. Like I said, I'm giving my teams based off of the eyeball test. I've seen these teams play. I like what they have going on. And, you know, you take account the injuries, who they played so far. So this is how I rank them. My number one team, Kansas City Chiefs. Number two, Denver Broncos. Number three, Green Bay Packers. Number four, Detroit Lions and Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Bert, what's your top five teams this year so far? Okay, so I'm going to do my five top teams a quarter way through the season. And I'll start from my fifth team and go all the way up to my first team. So, number five, I have the Texans. I have the Texans there because I really like their quarterback. I feel like even in the games that they've lost, they've shown what they can do. So, with more time playing together, I think they can really get better. Um, so, right now, I think they are the you know the fifth best team. I will give them that number. Um, fourth, I would give it to the Patriots. You know, we can point at the Patriots' defense and have questions there, but Tom Brady still looks like Tom Brady, and he still puts them in positions to win. Um, but if they can fix that defense, they would definitely move up. But right now, I would have them at number four. Number three, I have the Steelers. Now, the Steelers defensively have impressed me more than anything, and you'll have people say, well, you know, look who, who they've played. But I always tell people, you can only play who's in front of you. And if you want to feel like they're playing um, teams who are inferior or they're better than them, then then they're doing what they're supposed to do, right? So I'm not going to discredit their defense based on who they've already played because they did what they were supposed to do in those games. Now, offensively, they're not doing what most people thought they would be doing, you know, but they didn't play a lot, you know, together in the training camp. So maybe, you know, especially Le'Veon Bell, Knocking Rust off. I mean, he had a, a great game against the Ravens, so that might have been, you know, what he needed to get back into the swing of things. I think at any point that offense can just turn it on and, and put up 30-plus because of the weapons that they do have. And then you look at the new guys that they added. I mean, the Steelers, I mean, they just know how to find wide receivers. So I have the Steelers at number three. I have the Packers at number two. I mean, I don't really know what else I need to say about why they're number two. I mean, besides Aaron Rodgers, but <laughs> but I do have the Packers at number two. I mean, um, their defense have been, you know, pretty good, better than it's been, you know, in past years. That's not like usually you would look at their defense and say, oh, my goodness, they're holding them back. But I would give that to them this year. They're, they look a lot more improved. Um, and then offensively, Aaron Rodgers is just being Aaron Rodgers. So I give the Packers the number two spot. And then, of course, I'm going to give the number one spot to the Chiefs. Um now, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised that they're undefeated because I, I respect Andy Reid and I respect what they've done. So I expected them to be a competitive team. Um, but I was surprised at the win against New England. I'll tell you that much. And I can appreciate the fact that, you know, they're the way they're playing, they're letting people know that it's not a fluke. Um, so I'm going to give that to the Chiefs after four games. I don't see how you can't give that to them when they're, um, I believe, the only undefeated team left. So those are my top five teams. Chiefs number one, Packers number two, Steelers number three, Patriots number four, and the Texans are number five. Okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about is what are your thoughts on AB's meltdown um, in the Ravens game last Sunday and then Big Ben's and Tomlin's response to what he did? Um, what he did, I don't know if it's necessarily surprising only because some people have been hinting at this about AB um, for a little over a year now in reference to him having a little bit more diva in him than some people may have thought before. Um, A.B. seemed like he was a lot more humble when he was on a come-up, and then it seemed like as he started to become the A.B. that we all know, 
the bigger his brand got, the bigger his ego is now. So he feels like everything revolves around him. And over the past, I believe they were talking about, I think I heard it was four years or the past four years, he's had the most targets, I think, in a, in a whole NFL. So regardless of, you know, that particular play and, and Ben missing him, so he thought, um, wasn't that serious to me for the reaction that he gave. I mean, he went on the sideline, you know, flipped over Gatorade, uh, empty Gatorade bucket and snatching away from the coach. I mean, you would have thought that that was a play that was going to, you know, win the game. Like they were in a lead. They hit a lead at that point. So it wasn't, I'm not saying it wasn't a big deal, but it wasn't that big of a deal at that moment. Like that was a conversation that he could have had with his quarterback if he felt like he missed him. I don't understand why he overreacted like that. Like that, that wasn't called for. Um, you know, I don't really agree with anybody acting like that on a sideline. I understand that people are emotional and I feel like sometimes we use that as an excuse for a lot of these grown men just saying that they're emotional when they're competitive. Like, no, like you should know how to act. Like everybody is competitive. I would think everybody wants to win. I would think that everybody isn't on the sidelines acting a fool. So just let it go because he should be, he's supposed to be one of the vets on the team. Now, I understand that he's not a captain, so that's saying a whole lot too. But the way that you act trickles down to others and make them think that it's okay for them to act a certain kind of way and not be as respectful. Same thing I said about him in that video that he did because you saw that it was other guys around him. They doing stuff in the camera too. If you have your leader making it seem like this type of stuff is okay, this behavior is okay, I don't have to talk to the coach, I don't have to listen to him, then how do you think they're going to act? You know, so... It's not a good look for him because it really paints him in a bad light that I don't know if he wants to be in this light, but it's not a good look for him if he's going to continue. I, I hope he doesn't continue down that path because then it'll just keep being a story. So my, my advice to AB is just keep your frustrations frustrations in-house. Even as a Ravens fan, I'm saying I don't want to see it because all, all you are doing is causing everybody to talk about you and your character, and I don't think you're a bad guy. But I just think that that was uncalled for at that moment in that particular game. Like, it really wasn't that serious. Now, with Tomlin and Big Ben, Big Ben's initial comments after the game was what I would expect someone to say. You know, laugh it off, ha-ha, he's competitive. And if you if you got into him and said what you had to say behind closed door, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I, even as a fan, I don't care if an athlete or a coach comes out and doesn't want to tell us certain things because they have the right to not want to, you know, give us, give, to give us, a, <laughs> to give us a story or something to talk about, excuse me. So in that sense, I get when they're tight lipped or just keep everything PC. You know, Thomas' response sound like, like most people thought that he probably had a conversation with AB about knocking over the Gatorade and all of that. And I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I heard him say in his press conference that he wasn't going to waste his time, something along the lines of not wasting his time talking to AB about a Gatorade um, bucket. Well, why not? You know, so then I'm wondering, well, if you didn't talk to him about the Gatorade bucket, did you talk to him about snatching away from a coach who was just trying to talk to him and calm him down? Like, what did you talk to him about? Did you talk to him about anything? You know, then I start to factor in, you know, the things that was said watching TV this week, individuals said, like, basically the Steelers rewarded him for bad behavior, like... He did what he did as far as in the in the locker room recording stuff. Claimed to be, you know, he's going to mature. He was whatever, whatever. You give him this big contract, and then you come into the, the fourth game of the season, and he's acting like that in a game when you have the lead. So then it would have to make you think, you know, what's to come? You know, so then Ben follows up all of that whole, you know, what he, he said that after the game on Sunday. Tomlin said what he said whenever he talked. 
And I think that he talked on Monday, and I think on Tuesday, Ben made the comments where he was saying he wasn't trying to throw him under the bus, but he proceeded to basically call him out. I don't think that Big Ben had, excuse me, needed to do that on air. Everything that he said was right. It was on point. But I just feel like that's something that he could have said to A.B. behind closed doors because, again, all he did was give everybody, he just kept giving legs to the story. He gave people more things to talk about. Um, so, it, I, you know, most Ravens fans probably, you know, laughing, chucking it up, eating it up. I don't really care to see rivals suffer to make me feel good. Like, I don't get... No, I really don't get joy out of certain, out of things like that. Um, so I'm just saying that Ben and Tom, Mike Tomlin, what they said kind of was like useless. Didn't really it 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 added more to the story than what it needed to be, and it gave a whole lot more questions than people even were thinking about before. You know, so overall, hopefully, AB doesn't do that again. Hopefully, this never has to continue to be a story for them. Um, but only time will tell. But Pete, what do you think? Well, my opinion about the whole A.B. Big Bang Steelers situation, I watched it, like, I seen it live, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be on first. When I first saw I'm like, this is going to be on Undisputed First Take tomorrow. I knew it was. Um, And Ben added more gasoline to the fire, which I don't think he should have done. And I think and Antonio Brown was wrong. I mean, this is the thing. You only know what the camera shows. Listen, folks. Repeat that one more time. You only know what the camera shows. So now if the camera wasn't focused on that at that time, I said it was on the Raven sideline, nobody would have known. It wouldn't have got blown up into this real big ordeal. But you only know what the camera shows. So it shows on that play. I think it was a third down and Ben checked down and Antonio broke loose on that route. And if you look at it, he was covered until the play broke down, until pretty much Big Ben's eyes and everything checked it down he was like okay he did his reads he's saying that he read that side of the field that's where he was supposed to go up with the read antonio brown came up it seemed like him and jimmy smith almost bumped when jimmy smith ran to somebody and he broke free running free down the sideline and he got mad he jumped he went to the sideline knocked the cooler over Todd haley tried to grab him he smacked his hand and they started fussing and and Big Ben, for him to call him out, I've seen Big Ben and Todd Haley getting taught on the sideline. They had beef for years, especially when he first got there. Big Ben ain't like the offense he was running. He was throwing them off the bus. They got in confrontations on the sideline and stuff. So I don't know why Ben is acting like he's above doing anything like that. And just to go on a radio station, you should just say, you know, this has been addressed internally and, you know, all this other stuff, don't say, oh, I'm the leader and he shouldn't act like, like, we know he shouldn't act like that, that's something you keep in the house like, sometimes I think people get caught up too much in trying to either please the fans or give them too much insight at the end of the day, actually I think that's part of the issue with sometimes players giving or saying stuff like, your mother said, what goes on in the house stays in the house, don't have my business all on the street, and that's the thing that failed, he forgot, he failed at, because I'm looking at, you know, okay Antonio Brown got mad. It happens. It happens with a lot of receivers. Point blank period. They won't catch a pass. Or they won't get enough balls. Or they're wide open. Or whatever the case may be. And even though they were winning at the time, I think 19 or nothing, I guess he felt as though, you know, he wanted to put that nail in the coffin or however you have it. So I'm looking at him. I, I don't look at him being selfish. People call him selfish. And I mean, no. I think he just wants to. He has a passion for wanting to win. And he feels as though 
he can help them win. Like he needs to be a part of the team, which is fine. But like that, you you can't do that on the sideline. I'd rather he just sat down and pouted instead of throwing stuff and drawing more attention to himself. And he said, you know, Ben said they got a good relationship and they'll work on all that and stuff, and that's fine. So we'll see how they play this week. See if any of that lingers over to next week's game against the Jags. I mean, like I said, to me, it wasn't wasn't that big of a deal actually. Like it it could uh, I don't know. To me, it wasn't. It got blown up by the camera seeing it, and then by Big Ben commenting on it, and that just adds more question. Hey, Antonio, did you hear what Ben said? Ben, did you answer? Like it goes back and forth when you could have did it that situation right then and there. Okay, so our next topic is a very important topic to me because I am a big baseball fan, and the baseball players playing games, I call them playing games, they can say it's wild card. They're playing games like the NCAA to get into the real tournament have already happened. The New York Yankees and Arizona Diamondbacks have both moved on, so what we're going to do, we're going to give you our picks for who we think going to make it to the World Series and also the champs. Out of the American League this year, how things look, I have a funny feeling it's going to be Houston. That's my dark horse to come out the American League. I think Houston is going to actually get it done and make it to the World Series. And this year, out of the National League, everybody, the Dodgers was looking good. They started hot, but they started to fall off. I think I want to go with the Dodgers, but I think it's the Nationals. I think this is going to be the Nationals versus Houston. And I'm going with the Nationals. I think the Nationals are going to pull it off. And it's going to piss me off being an Orioles fan that I had to look down to D.C. And they won a championship before we did. I haven't been alive to see an Orioles championship. Their last championship was in 83. So I've been begging for one. I want one. Like, we went to the playoffs every year. Like, every other year we go to the playoffs. And we just don't get the job done. And this year, no playoffs. So I'm hoping next year that we can get in. This is the last year of Buck's contract is up. Dan's contract is up. And Manny's contract and there's some other players. But those, you know, I think this may be our last shot with the team that we have now intact. So I'm going with the end. I'm going with Houston versus the Nationals and the Nationals take it all. Bird, what do you think? Okay, so my pick for the World Series is the Cleveland Indians and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I'm going to pick the Dodgers to win it all. Not because I know it all, but because I just kind of hope so. So those are my picks for the World Series. The Indians and the Dodgers with the Dodgers winning. Okay, so next we're going to do our fantasy start them, sit them. So I will start with my starts. And it will be Aaron Rodgers. Start Aaron Rodgers. Start the Giants defense. And start Odell Beckham feel like I can get some good points out of those guys this week. And I would say sit Tyrod Taylor if you have him in your league. Sit the Cowboys defense because I expect Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and I would sit, um, as some like to call him, Measley Beasley, <laughs> the wide receiver on the Dallas Cow- Cowboys, only because he hasn't looked as impressive this year. And I feel like teams have figured out a way to defend them offensively. So I don't expect him to, you know, have a big game this week. So those are my um, starting sets. Start Aaron Rodgers, Giants defense, and Odell Beckham. And set Tyrell Taylor, Cowboys defense, and Beasley from the wide, rece- the wide receiver from the Cowboys. But Pete, what do you think? Okay, so my fantasy football week five, start them and set them. We're going to start with the people that you should definitely 
put in your lineup this week. Definitely, I wouldn't hold back. Please make sure you put these people in your lineup. Um, Odell Beckham. The Chargers are actually coming to New York. If you have Odell Beckham or Sterling Shepard, please put them in your lineup if you want to win. Also, if you have Le'Veon Bell, I would start him again. I think he's ready to rock and roll. And they're going against the Jags. The Jags' defense only looked good against the Ravens. Last week, the Jets ran rough shot on them. So, Le'Veon Bell is definitely somebody you should start. Um, I would def- um This week, I would start Zeke Elliott. I think this is going to be his week when he looks like Zeke from last year. Even though they're going against Green Bay at home. I think I'm okay. I think, I'm telling you, I think Zeke is going to be the guy this week. And also... If you need a defense this week, please start Minnesota defense. They're going against a rookie in Mitchell Trubisky. I know he don't like being called Mitch, but we're going to call him Mitchell for right now and see how he plays. But I think those are the things that you want to start. You want to start the Vikings defense. You want to start Zeke, Le'Veon Bell, Sterling Sharp. I mean, Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham. And if you need a quarterback this week, mm, trying to think who you should actually get uh because if you're like one of the fan like one of the daily fantasies you need somebody who's going to put you up some points um there's no real good matchup i could see a quarterback really dominating go with eli it's two on four teams go with eli to get all those points and my sit this week if you have any of the tennessee wide receivers i will sit them just for mariota not playing even though they're playing the dolphins I'm not really sold on Matt Castle as a backup for my team to get the job done, so I would definitely sit them. Um, if you have anybody on the Cleveland Browns, sit them as well. I don't know why you would, but sit them. You definitely have to put them on the bench. Um, this week, I wouldn't take any Rams wide receiver. Gurley, yes, but their wide receivers, no, no, no. Please don't do it to yourself. And that's pretty much it this week. Uh, those are the people I'm sitting and starting fantasy this week so hey if you do one of them daily fantasies you know try out try it out DraftKings, FanDuel and you know I'm giving you some good advice here it's like this is a disclaimer if you lose I had nothing to do with it okay and so our next topic will be our last topic and that's going to be not even a topic but our game picks we're going to give you the, the games that we're most interested in seeing this week and then let you know um, who we think are going to win those games. Again, we always pick the Ravens games and three other additional games. So we'll start with the Ravens versus the Raiders. We have the Panthers versus the Lions, the Seahawks versus the Rams, and the Chiefs versus the Texans. So <clears throat> starting with the Ravens, I'll say this. I don't know if Derek Carr is going to play because I got an alert on my phone that said he was back at practice. So I'm a little confused about that. That could just be some... Something them them trying to, you know, give you something else to think about. I don't think he's going to play next week, but that doesn't mean anything because EJ Manuel has quarterbacked the team and beat us before. So that's not an easy thing. Um, Knowing that our defense is not that stout right now, I think that a lot of what has happened over the past two weeks may make the guys bond together a little bit more offensively, more or less than anything else. And we might see something that we haven't seen from them um, through – more or less two weeks because it really wasn't that bad the first two weeks. I mean, we can complain about some things, but they we got points on the board. We won those games, so and they weren't even. I don't think neither neither game were ever in question as far as losing them. Um, so I think that the offense can figure out ways to 
you know, be productive and move the ball. And I think that um, with, with Crabtree, possibly with the injury that he has, even though they say that he's expected to play, he might not be at, at full strength, you know, like to be able to give 100% or he could get hurt more and, and leave the game, not that I'm wishing that on him. So it's a whole lot up in the air about, you know, who's going to play, who's not going to play. But I have a feeling I just, I'm just going to go with the Ravens. Um, the Ravens normally do not do well on the West Coast. All signs would point to the Ravens losing this game, um, but I will pick the Ravens in this game um, mainly because the Raiders most likely will not have this starting quarterback, who I think is one of the young best younger quarterbacks in the league, and one of their top wide receivers is hurt. You know, so a lot a lot of things can work in our favor if they just band together and get it together. So I'm going to pick the Ravens to win their game. The Panthers line game, I'm kind of up in the air about that one too. Now, <clears throat> with everything that happened with Cam this week, that could go one or two ways. They could band together or, or it could have really became a distraction and bothered a lot of the players, um, you know, this week. But I am going to pick the Lions to win that game. I feel like the Lions are a little bit better than people may want to give them credit for. Um, but I think that the Lions will, in the end, you know, do something, whether it comes down to a last-minute play or something. I think that the Lions will hold on and win that game. Um, the next game we're going to pick, well, I'm going to pick, will be the Seahawks and the Rams. And I'm going to pick the Rams to win that game. For whatever reason, the Rams have <clears throat> the Seahawks number. The Seahawks had their best game of the season last week against one of the worst teams in the league. So that's not saying a lot. Um, the Rams are <clears throat> one of the, you know, biggest surprises this season. They're really, 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 really much improved. And they were already beating them, you know, before now. So I think that the Rams will will win, um, win that game. And then lastly, the Chiefs versus the Texans. You know, will the Chiefs remain undefeated? And I'll say no, they won't. I think that the Texans will show up big, big in that game. Um, I think that the, the young rookie will have another decent game. You know, he's going to make plays to put them in a position to win. It could be another, it could be a blowout or it could be a shootout. But I think that he's game enough for it. And I think that he's going to, you know, he's going to live up to the big light. So I think that the Texans will win that game. So my picks for these games are the Ravens, Lions, Rams, and Texans. But Pete, what do you think? Okay, I'm going to give you all my picks for the week. Ravens versus Raiders. I'm going with the Ravens just because Derek Carr is out for no other reason. Because if we were going west and Derek Carr was healthy and playing... Nope, I'm with the Raiders, but this week I am going with the Ravens for the win. All right, the next game I got for y'all is the Panthers versus the Lions. I am going with the Panthers for the upset. I don't know why, but I think this whole thing with Cam and this controversy is going to either it's either going to go two ways. Either they're going to get blown out or they're going to stomp Detroit out. It's either they're going to be focused or not doubting at all. So I'm going with the Panthers in that game. Seattle. Oh, man, this is tough. Seattle versus the Rams. The Rams' offense looks legit, and Seattle offense does, and Rams have a decent defense. I think Aaron Donald, he's been looking okay. I think this is going to be his break breakout game. You know, he had most of training camp. I think this is going to be the game he does so much damage. I'm just trying to – I'm torn with this one, coin flip. I'm going with the Rams to win this game. And the last game is the Chiefs versus Texas. Um, oh man, I'm going with this is kind of a biggie here. Um, I think I'm gonna go with the Texans in an upset. 
Um, I think Deshaun Watson is going to ball out. And I believe that since the Chiefs were on Monday night, I think this short week is actually going to hurt them. I think if everything was fair, I would go with the Chiefs. But by them coming off the Monday night game, even though it was a win, they're going to have a short week to prepare. And the Texans are actually balling. They're looking good. They should have beat the Patriots a week ago. But, you know, that's here north there. So I'm thinking you got the Texans going to win this game. Might be a close game, but I think Deshaun Watson is going to outplay Alex Smith. So quick recap, we're going with the Ravens, Panthers, Rams, and the Texans. So, this is our Friday Blitz. You can catch us on SoundCloud, on the Bench with Bird and Pete. iTunes, we're on their podcast store, on the Bench with Bird and Pete. And also check us out on the Google Play store, on the Bench with Bird and Pete, to check this episode out and also our past episodes. Also follow us on Twitter at On the Bench Sports, on Instagram at on the bench be more and also you can follow our facebook page that's where we do a lot of commenting updating and posts on the bench with bird and pete so check you out next week for the next episode